0: This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The Championship Clubs Podcast is brought to you in association with media partner Novus Marketing Solutions. Check them out at novusmarketingsolutions.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Championships Club podcast. The Rolodex has landed on me again, Dave Rogers, hosting for the second time this season. Everyone else must have been busy, but the more things change, the more they stay the same. And the great news
1: is Gully is still here. Where in the world are you, mate? That looks like a heck of a pad. <laughs> Hello, mate. Good to have you back. Uh, excited for this one. Um, I am in just outside of Lisgar, down in Cornwall, uh, day oh. off today. And heading down to the beach this afternoon, it was George's birthday yesterday, it was mine on Sunday, I think, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, so we go, <laughs> we get, we're heading down there for some food on the beach, uh, down at a place called Polkera. so i have got a bit of a day planned, it's nice.
0: Oh, what a life, babe. But no one can ever question your commitment, still jumping on the pod on your day off. I'm not surprised you forget the birthdays, because I got to a, a certain age and I stopped counting them as well, so don't worry about it, mate, just use it as an excuse to have a nice time.
1: Exactly, mate. And you lose a year through COVID, don't you? So it's like, we don't, we don't worry about that year. So I'm, I'm, still, I'm still, still under 40. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we've got an amazing show today and a great guest
0: uh, joining us on the call later. But let's tick off the current state of the champ first. Five really good games as the season sort of screeches to an end. It's absolutely flown by this year. Uh, any particular score lines that caught your eye? Any matches you particularly want to talk about?
1: Uh, I think the, the biggest one was I got four out of five predictions right last week. So I uh <laughs> I'm normally pretty woeful at that. But yeah, the, I think just looking at them now, I, I the the one Friday night I got wrong, uh, Cov against Bedford. Obviously I played for both clubs. Um and I, I thought Bedford would, would win that game. So it's Coventry's first away win of the season like amazingly. So uh great result for Cov on Friday night. And then Saturday, we kind of expected Ealing to uh, go up to Amtel and get a result, and they did. Um, so that was a great win for them, putting the pressure back on Donny at the top. Uh, Jersey getting a good win at home. Uh, Richmond, well, I mean, that what a result that is against Hartbury, uh, 20 points to 12. Brighty scoring again, I think he's pretty close to getting to 200 tries as well in the league this season, so that's something to look out for. And then the, the the big one obviously was the Donny Pirates game, and Donny Donny picking up a bonus point win against Pirates was huge for them, especially after the announcement the week before. So, a fantastic result for Donny. Uh, Pirates picked up a bonus point, and they're still in the race actually. So it's it's fascinating at the minute. It's not over by any stretch. So be, I'm really excited for the for the end of the season and the games. It's nearly over. I can't believe it's nearly over. Well, they're
0: still Ealing v Pirates to come in the season as well. But let's talk about Donnie first, because after that announcement, obviously everybody involved with the club and, and people outside the club as well, the, the public outcry really was something. But to react that way on the pitch, because it would have been really easy for the players to, to not be there psychologically or physically, but they were, and to still continue and to get that result. I think that says a lot about that group.
1: I I'm amazed at, at Doncaster It's their journey that we talk about journeys a lot on here and, yeah. and, and and teams do. It's it's part of a club's history and and their their season. It is a, a mini journey each year. And to go down to Ealing and get a result and then pressures on, especially after the announcements. And I spoke to a couple of the guys up there that I know fairly well, and they I think it was they were pissed off, obviously. They didn't mm-hmm. expect the news. The way the news broke was a little bit naughty, which we've spoken about on here. Uh, but it shows the resolve in that group. Um, you know, Bodes is doing, I mean, what a job that bloke's doing um, to be, to be challenging for, for the championship and challenging for the, for the league win and going into the prem. And hopefully, you know, their appeals will go through and and they'll get an opportunity. And whoever wins the league gets that opportunity to go up. But I, I, I and what they've done and, you know, pirates, pirates are a bloody good rugby team. Um, so to, to win with a bonus point at home, you know, it's a home game, you expect to win your home games, but I mean, yeah, fair play to everyone up there. I think it's fantastic what they've been doing in recent weeks
0: certainly is. Uh, listeners, if you are tuning in for the first time because you want to hear from Bobby DeVee and you're wondering what we're talking about, then make sure you skip back an episode because Gully, Mike Casey and Gareth Allred really go into detail, quite forensic detail, quite passionate detail as well about the uh, about the situation with regards to promotion. Uh, now it's settled down a bit. Has your opinion changed at all, Gully? Or have you got anything else you'd like to add to what was said?
1: I think the emotion, I think Mike spoke really well on the, on the last pod about, about it all, uh, my my personal view. I think it's sad that it was. I kind of expected it, um, and I just hope and I hope that the, the momentum continues and people continue to talk about it and it doesn't get brushed under the carpet and the right decisions are made. I mean, it's it's so complex the whole subject and around funding and how all that works. It's a really difficult one to know the answer for it. But I think what we can't have is the championship becoming a, a full semi-professional league i don't think that's great for the long-term future of english rugby uh when that's that's not only just playing that's coaching that's that's uh, referees and also the supporters it's you know those you know they they go week in week out it's well supported league so i just hope somewhere out of it all something really positive comes at the league and there's an opportunity to rebrand it and invest some more money into it and i think that's what it needs uh how they do that? That's that's the that's a really difficult question to to answer.
0: Well, to have a good league and a great league, it needs to be full of great and committed people. And one of those great and committed people reaches a remarkable landmark this week at the Rag. Um, Mikey Raya, five hundred games as DOR. Uh, what a! What an achievement! Uh, what a way to get there, and also what a place to do it down at the RAG as well—one of the iconic grounds in the champ. Uh, a few words on Mikey because that is that is some achievement by some bloke.
1: Yeah, Mikey, I'm, I'm fortunate to call Mikey one a friend of mine. So I spent three years playing and I had a year, but behind the scenes at, at Bedford. And that's just a small part of of his amazing story at Bedford. To do 500 games at any club, I think when I was there, he did 10 years. He's at 15 now, and I just, you know, the blokes, he's a he's a good bloke. First, I think, you know, like people talk about legacies and things like that, and the way Bedford play is is Mike's doing, um, and they're the entertainers of the league. I think the stats came out the other day; they'll they were, their back score their most tries. If the fours can get parity, then Jesus, they can beat anyone and. And that's down to Mike. And, you know, there's been a lot of players coming coming in that club and go out and everyone speaks positively of it. And that's, that's Mike's influence. And I, you know, it's, it's great talking about him. He's a good bloke, great on the beers, Um, but it's, it's a hell of an achievement and it shouldn't be, you know, it it should be shouted about. I think it, I think it's an amazing thing, especially in professional sport now to be able to stay in a role for that long and, and stay fresh and stay, stay vibrant and, have the players still engaging and it's it's just great um so yeah congratulations to Mike for this weekend and like you said what a place to go and do it
0: 500 maybe 500 more who knows um so he heads down to the rag for that what you what would you call it a quinta century who does he join what what have been the other iconic
1: 500s in sport I'm thinking like Brian Lara and his 500 500 501 he got didn't he for yeah um I think sort of like what, what did Fergie do at, at Man United and
0: oh, Veng- thousands?
1: They thousands. played more games, but in terms of time and yes, it's a very it's a very similar time, isn't it? It's not necessarily the amount of games because rugby is different to football, but it's it's it is in those you know it's in those conversations, isn't it, as as to longevity and <laughs> play to the old bugger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if ever there was a time and a place to partake in the act that was named after our eponymous hero, then maybe you should take part in a Mikey Raya on Saturday in celebration. Uh, right, well, of course, one of the great achievements for, for Mike and the Blues this season was a victory at Ealing Trailfinders, which brings us on to our, our guest today. I think he's ready to come in. Bobby DeVee has had, uh, well, quite a remarkable impact on this league. Heck of a player, heck of a guy, and we are going to get to know him today. Uh, Bobby, can you see us? Can you
2: hear us? Yes, yes, I can hear you now. Ah, oh, good man. Welcome. Uh, where in the world are you, mate? Are you there in Ealing? Uh, I mean, I'm in London. I stay in Hounslow, so quite close to Ealing. Yes, in West, West London.
1: Uh, okay. Mate, I see you're, uh, you're rocking a bit of uh, facial hair there. I think the last photo I saw was your flesh, you know, it's the, the influence is coming on.
2: <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm trying to get a Ben Gulliver-esque facial hair, but it's not, it's not completely agreeing with me just yet, but it's a slow journey, I guess.
1: Yeah, mate, and you don't want any of these grey bits in it either. So <laughs> I think that'll come with age
2: eventually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Straight under the bus, Gully, <laughs> we were just talking about you uh, and your age. Uh, are you telling me that the fact that I can't grow a beard is the reason that I was never a championship second row? Have we just finally got to the bottom of it? I mean, uh, we don't
2: want to point out the obvious here, but if, if we look at if we look at where everything is pointing us in the direction, I guess we have to take it. <laughs> All <laughs> uh, right then, Bobby, let's get straight to it.
0: Um, we're coming to the end of a, of a great rugby season. Yeah. Uh, Ealing Trailfinders. how long have you been in the country now? We're talking 15, 16 months. I'm sure it's come with its challenges, but it's come with its successes too. You must be feeling pretty good in green and
2: white. Yeah, I uh, obviously got you in December of 2020. I'm in the midst of COVID, um, a bit later than I initially anticipated that I would have been joining Ealing as I've signed with him quite a month or two before that but with visa issues and just with the COVID being what it is I got you a bit late but yeah been a yeah an ups and downs uh, type, of, type of time that I've been here but I really enjoyed myself since I've joined since I've joined Ealing.
1: Fantastic mate and just just talk a little bit about um how, how that actually came about the move to Ealing was it sort of was it a, was it a Ambition of yours to come over and play in play in the UK, or or did it come out of left field? It was things that well, counts accounts going quite well in SA, so just wondered how how that move came about for you.
2: Yeah, um, I had been at the the Southern Kings in in South South Africa, and we played in the Pro 14, which obviously plays in in the UK. So I got to experience a bit of the life before I before I moved over, if you want to call it that. And I always said to myself that in some, you know, some part of my career, I would like to move over to the UK and just really embrace the culture and the rugby that it is, yes. It's quite different from South African or should I say Southern Hemisphere rugby. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't anticipate that it would come the way that it did, but it's always been in the back of my mind that it would eventually happen. Um, I was with the Kings and they encountered some financial some financial trouble that's quite widely spoken about. Um, and Ealing presented me with an amazing opportunity to, to join them. Um, and, you know, I thought at the age that I was and wanting to experience something, you know, before being tied down with like a family and having a lot more to consider later on in life, as most players would, I saw it as a great opportunity to join them. And having spoken to, to Wardy, to Alex Shaw about the ambition about the club and wanting to, to gain promotion to the, to the Premiership, it was something that I really wanted to be a part of. Um, I mean, creating history if you want to if you want to call it that, and taking the clubs to to newer heights, and just adding value in whichever way I can.
0: Just hearing you talk about how you joined and sort of how it w- was was sold to you. It, it resonates with uh, an article I read, uh, Jamie Lyle, when you had a great chat to him when you first arrived with Rugby Pass, and you talked about wanting to be a part of something with the Southern Kings and maybe wanting to play 100 games for them and helping them build and rise and, and reach their full potential. And it feels like a similar story with Ealing as well, you joining with the situation they're in and trying to get them to that next level. Yep. Is that something that that really resonates with you as a player and as an individual?
2: Yeah, I think I definitely think so. Um, sorry if I use the word definitely. A couple of the boys warned me that it's a bit of a South African thing. We tend to go to yes, no, definitely. But um, I definitely do think that it is something that resonates quite highly with me. And you know, I've I've spoken about it quite quite a lot. That I, you know, I want when I look back at my career, I want to be part of, of something bigger than just having said that I played for a hundred for ten for ten different clubs, but to bring my son back to to London one day or to to Ealing and be like, listen, Dave, in the top four of the premiership now, and I was part of something that created that. Um, it's something that's, that's quite dear to my heart. Um, I think very often as rugby players, we, we get caught up in the accolades of saying that, you know, you played for England or you played for the Springboks. Um, but just because that didn't happen in your career doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't have a career that you can be, look back on and be proud of and be happy about the legacy that you left behind.
1: But mate, fascinating you said 10 clubs. I think that's what I had. <laughs> <laughs> research that (laughs) no there's a few less than that but what what always uh, a question that I've never really had the opportunity to ask is um, I've played with lots of South Africans over the years um, but I, I just sort of intrigued on your the difference in sort of the clubs and the the approach to the game of rugby from your experience in South Africa to what the approach is like in in England and I suppose the championship can be a little bit sort of geared towards a forward orientated game through the winter but just sort of how different that is compared to what you were used to did it take a little bit of getting adjusting to or was it just bang I I, I understand it and I'll crack on
2: um I'll be honest if if I had to even take it to a broader spectrum I'd say that the northern hemisphere versus southern hemisphere obviously you know it's, it's widely spoken about about how different it is but um having coming coming over from i'd say uh, you know set up as the kings and before that the lions which are you know professional setups in its, in its own right and you know coming here i was like okay you know it's going to be hard hard man's rugby because it's it's in the sec- second division of of england's tier tier level and you know I, I was i was very shocked when i got you um just at the level of professionalism that a lot of the that a lot of the clubs have i know that Donny and Pirates being, uh, you know, professional as well. I'm sure that they put in the same amount of work, but just the attention to detail would be one of the big ones. You know, I thought it was going to be traditional, tuck the ball under your arm and and just go ahead. And yeah, the attention to detail and the professionalism, I I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, And it's, I was saying to a mate of mine yesterday, actually, that I think that is the big difference um, that where England is kind of making up with South Africa. You know, South Africa is, you know, you have big brutes of men that, for a wide part of their lives got away with just tucking the ball and you know just going whereas you know an English guy might not be as big but I think the attention to detail that the English give that I can speak to about now is that the attention to detail that the English give probably puts them that that step ahead or create or making up that gap that used to be there in the past. Okay
1: yes yeah I I find it fascinating and I love Sort of the, the cultural side of it as well, and that's something you might have had to adjust to. It's because it's yep. <laughs> and our English sarcasm and humour and that side of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it takes up getting used to it. So. And the ac- and the accents. Are
1: you okay with all the accents?
2: <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, I had a horror horror time. Absolutely horrible. Firstly, just not because of the English accent, but the different types of English accent, the Bristolian accent, the up north. And I I literally sat with a couple of the sappers in a meeting, and I was like. I'm not going to understand a thing these people say on the pitch. I can only imagine in a meeting how I'm going to feel on the pitch when someone is shouting at me, run off the line, run off the line. I was like, I'm not going to understand this. (laughs) But yeah, it it took some some getting used to, but I think I've got the gist of it now. (laughs)
0: Because <laughs> an uh, Ealing as well, you've got accents from all over, haven't you? I'm thinking yep. Steve Shingler, who is just oh, yes. so Swansea. You've got Barney there, who's about as northern as they come. You've got Scottish boys as well. That must yep. have sent you absolutely sideways when you first got there. It, it's, it's a bit of a
2: running joke in the in the change rooms now, where I try and impersonate everyone's accent. And they tell me that every time I come back to having a Jamaican accent, so I'm, I'm either <laughs> not very good at it or I just don't have the ears for it anymore. But yeah, we have a wide variety of accents there that. It, it makes for a very good conversation, especially when we're quite tired.
1: Bobby, it's nothing to worry about because when when I go into Wales, I have to put my Welsh ears on because it's just takes, <laughs> exactly it just takes, it takes a bit of getting used to. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, to be fair, everyone. So I'm from Wales, and everyone at Ealing made me feel uh, welcome when I was there for the commentary as well. Um, and yeah. so let let's let's talk about that then, because uh, during that truncated season last year, before we move on to the current campaign, where Obviously, in the sunshine, you and Ealing tore it up. You, you fell a little bit short against Saracens. But during those games, during the regular season, you seemed to slot straight in. You were incredibly vocal. I mean, it, I called um, I called most of the games with, with Charlie Walker, and he'd always have a smile on his face because we could just hear you shouting exactly how you felt, what you wanted, and really dragging that team on with you. That, that's not always the easiest thing to do when you're kind of, of the new guy in a group. Is that something you were aware of? Or, or once the whistle goes, is that just how you play, what you do and, and
2: how you see your contribution to the team? Um, I think um, it's one of the, it's one of the it's, it's a bit twofold. You know, I try and give energy uh, to the team firstly by being vocal and especially on defence. I mean, being vocal gives you a certain amount of confidence on defence. Uh, similarly, on attacks, speaking people out of what you're going to do, and so forth. So, I think it's about giving uh, energy to the guys around me, but at the same time, energizing myself because I know that as soon as I go quiet, I tend to go into my shell. But not be as expressive as I would want to be. And yeah, I just, I just think it's something that I, that I, that I, I like to say that I bring to the team um, is a bit of you know that energy uh, around the park and just making sure that we're focused on what our next job is and, and being or dealing with the next job that's at hand. Right. How, how do you, Bobby? Uh, I just recently turned 28.
1: Oh, congratulations, mate! Thank it's, you. I've just, <laughs> I just the, a point you made there about being vocal and talking people out of running at you. I mean, I, yeah. I learned that too late in my career. It's, it's great. It's a great asset. You can just, oh, I've got him, I and they pass the ball. Brilliant job. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> is that is that you, boys, trying to get the psychological edge, or are you just shirking work because you don't want to make tackles? No, so let's get we, to the bottom of this.
2: No, I think it, I think it must be it must be from a psychological point of view. Um, as I said, it breeds a lot of confidence for myself as well. Hearing guys next to me saying that I've got his inside, I've got his outside, you know, that just gives you that bit of confidence to get off the line and to go and smash someone behind the advantage line. Mate,
1: it's it's so true. Um, it caught me out once because I played against a good mate of mine, Michael Le Bourgeois, a place of wasps. Yeah. And I was playing for Amtel uh, against Bedford in a pre-season game. And I was running I said, I've got him, I've got him. I didn't have him. (laughs) And he knew knew I I didn't have him. And he said, you thought you had me. (laughs) And then he stepped and laughed as he went. That (laughs) that was, yeah, I'll I'll put that down to age.
2: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully with age, I get to to keep mine a bit. Because I think people might start finding me out for bit and being like, you didn't have me.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Well, I think you've got him, mate. I was going to say,
0: I tell you what, it's a brave man who runs straight into you. Uh, Let's make no mistake. Uh, Let's uh, let's talk uh, away from the pitch, because, you know, we're so lucky to have you here. And thanks for finding the time. And and just going back to everything that I've that I've read about you, it seems like family is a massive thing for you. And you mention your your parents all the time. Was it difficult to sort of move away to, well, the other hemisphere of the world to to pursue rugby uh, and sort of leave them? Back in South Africa or, or what was it what was the thought sort of process there?
2: Um it, I left I left I left home quite early. Um, I left home when I was 16 to already go and play in a different province. And just with the rugby calendar being what it was, I only got to see my family less and less as my career progressed. Um, it started off with seeing them, you know, three, four times a year, then it started becoming twice a year, started becoming once a year. So it it may, i definitely say—having had that part of my life early on, it made it a bit easier to make the decision. But knowing that they're not just, you know, an hour or two car ride away, it's—it's still—it is still difficult. And you know, with moving, having moved over during the COVID times, you can't just go home. I missed my sister's wedding in December, um, which is, you know, it's difficult. But my parents do know that it's—I'm doing this for the greater good of our family, um, and it's as I said, it's, it's part of something bigger. Um, so I definitely do miss them. Uh, but at the end of the day, they still remain, remain with the rain, main reason why I do what I do. So it's, it's good to have that bit of why that's constantly driving me. Of course.
0: And I, are you going to plan to bring them over at some point when it's a little bit easier? To um,
2: well, as soon as the season ends, I intend on going back to South Africa. I do miss the South African sun a bit. Um, and fortunately for me, the pound stretches a bit further than the rand in South Africa. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and visit them, and it also gives me a chance to catch up with, you know, my nephews, my nieces, and just everyone that I left back in South Africa. I haven't seen them for, yeah, probably the better part of about two years now. It's a long time. I can't believe you're telling us that the West
0: London microclimate isn't comparable to the South African summer. Unbelievable.
2: It, it gets it, it gets close but i i had a, a brief taste of summer year last year and at one stage i literally caught myself getting a tan in london and i was like this is really so, <laughs> something must have changed in my genetic makeup or something because if i had to tell people in south africa that i'm catching a farmer's tan but because of being on the pitch they would not believe me <laughs> brilliant
1: uh, yeah.
0: I don't I don't know why that's tickled me so much that it has um I want to talk uh, I want to talk like communication actually and and it's interesting you talking about all of the uh the accents trying to trying to keep up so Sy Linsel, your second row teammate he's yeah. fluent in Arabic and yes. I know that fact and I tell people all the time so if you've heard me talk about anything in rugby you've probably heard me mention that uh that yeah. Sy speaks Arabic um he tried to teach me once, it didn't work, but if you tried to teach any of the lads, any any Afrikaans or any of the the sort of lingo from South Africa and bring over any
2: of those sayings. Um, I don't know, I'm not supposed to say this, but I did in the beginning um, and I taught them all the bad words, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's kind of stuck because whenever they see me getting upset, they always hear a very profound word that I say. Um, so it's kind of, whenever they take the piss out of me, they always say this word and I'm like, don't say that, it's not a good word. Um, <laughs> But I'd say that uh, Angus Kernohan is would probably be, he'd probably be up there. He knows, I, I, he probably knows more Afrikaans than a lot of the Afrikaans boys know English in our squad. Um, and he just randomly throws these insults from across the change room. And he's like, Bobby, you've got small calves. And he says it perfectly good in Afrikaans. And I just <laughs> sit there and I'm like, I can't even be upset because one of the South Africans probably did teach him that just to, just to <laughs> irritate me. I'm like, I don't have small calves, but. You're right. <laughs> You're still nibbling on it now. Uh, that that's the thing, because as soon as I say something, all I see is you nibble, 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 nibble. I'm like yeah, I've got me.
1: So that that'll be our uh, tweet after this, uh, Bobby the Yeah, Love Bobby the
2: He's got little coughs. <laughs> because like I can't, I can't, I can't fight it or anything, because I know that it's a nibble as well. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, it.
0: <laughs> and now we've recorded this, so it's on record forever. <laughs> Everyone knows you've nibbled at it. <laughs> so, is he, is he one of the, is Angus one of the big wind up merchants in the changing room? Then, I wouldn't say wind up, but
2: from a, from a you know, South African point of view and being able to understand a bit of Afrikaans and so on, James Cannon recently found out how to say that someone is extremely poor in very good Afrikaans. <laughs> so, whenever we get to a line out or something, he'll say it to Rain. Rain has been in London for or has been in England for more than five years. So, Rain just looks at me, he's like, What is he saying? I'm like, He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so every, everyone is slowly but surely starting to pick up a little bit of Afrikaans. I mean, we have a we have a healthy contingency of South African players. So, yeah, they do still get upset when we get carried away and start speaking Afrikaans. They're like you're in London now, you're in England. You have to speak the Queen's language. I was like, we apologise.
0: <laughs> Don't apologise, mate. You do. You. It's great to have yeah. you here. What What about playing um, against other South Africans then? Because I've noticed in, in Champ games and and in Premiership games when there are South Africans on either side after the game
2: there seems to be a real bond between you guys yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy I mean uh, we this past weekend we played against Amthill and uh, I was unaware that one of the centers was uh, Jordan Fenter who's obviously from uh, South Africa he is I'd probably say about 10 years younger than I am but you know on the pitch you don't really you don't really see it but we obviously wouldn't have played against each other in South Africa but he would obviously have recognized my name exactly the same as I would have recognized this on the team sheet. And, you know, afterwards we, we was like, hey, what's up, Boyki? And I was like, okay, so we just, we just like a brief exchange of words just to be like, I see the South African in you and I acknowledge you. And so, yeah, as I said, it's, it's obviously a bit different when you play against South Africans that are a bit older. Similarly, Donnie last year played against Jerry. Wouldn't, Jerry Sexton, I wouldn't really say that he's a South African, but he spent a year in South Africa. So you do acknowledge that there's another South African and it's nice to see a lot of South Africans coming through and playing in the champ.
1: How have you um, how have you find the different grounds within the championship because obviously you the first year it was just you didn't get to travel, did you so it was uh, yeah it's this season it's home and away and you know what what's been sort of your highlights of, of the grounds you visited and you know the most like sort of raucous crowds um,
2: yeah I'd say probably playing at Ansel was quite an experience having to walk through the woods um they'd experienced a bit of a bit of rain so by the time that I got in back into the into the change, my 21 miles only had about two miles left with the mud that was on them um and yeah <laughs> having training on a 4g the whole week and then having to play on on a grass pitch really does take it out of your legs so yeah. I think it's 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 the vast contrast in pitches you know if you get a 4g um or like Cobb for example has has a brilliant 4g that you play on um and then the next next week you could be playing against Richmond at the RAG. Um, and I think just that acclimatization of the different environments that you're going to play in is, is obviously a—it it, it, takes—it it takes a bit of getting used to. Um, but it is something that we prep for in the week, you know. Um, having played, not having played against Amthill this week, we did make—we did make a point to speak about it. The fact that you know you're going to have a two-three minute walk to the pitch. Once you get going to get to the pitch, it is going to be a heavy pitch. It's not going to be the 4G that we used to. And I think it's addressing that and making us aware of that before we get there it does bode well for us because it's not as much of a shock when it when it does happen the first time around
1: yeah it's um amtel is still a bit of a shock mind when you go there for the first yeah
2: time. <laughs> as soon as you think you you're done running you're just like i still have halfway to go <laughs> yeah, yeah. now it, it does take a bit of getting used to yeah and then obviously you got have you been down to pirates yet or have you yeah fortunately oh, hey, been down to pirates twice place. yeah um yeah that that takes me back to proper club rugby, proper yeah. club rugby, very yeah. very unforgiving pitch as well. So, yeah.
1: Well, when you get a bit of opportunity to um, to travel outside of when you're playing, it's a nice yep. part of the world well, it's uh, yes, yeah, you know, it is.
2: Uh, we got back. We all oh, we went down a day a day or so earlier, um, and Max Bodley is obviously fr- from there, and he told us that. Listen, we need to get a Cornish pastry in as well. I was like, so and our nutritionist isn't going to be too happy about this when we leave <laughs> that. So maybe leave it for the end of the season. <laughs> yeah uh, it's
0: it's good though I mean it's a long drive for a pasty however i would uh I would highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't done it um, well you mentioned you mentioned pirates then and that brings us neatly on to the season because you've still got to play them this year and in terms of championship fixtures, that is absolutely massive isn't it
2: yeah it's a massive fixture, i think also given the time that it's happening um Obviously, there's still, I'd say there's still about th- three teams—ourselves, Donny, and Pirates—that are still, you know, vying for that the championship at the end of the season. So, in the context of the season, us playing Pirates uh, is an absolutely massive game for us. We're fortunate now that we had the week off—not well, not off, but we we're not playing a fixture this weekend. Um, so we are preparing for them, um, and yeah, looking forward to a very tough battle against them. We've played them twice over, at or we played them twice last. A season and the season and we got one, they got one over this, but they had to come to Valis way. So we're preparing very hard for that game.
1: It's nice to, um, it's nice to hear a player looking forward to that fixture yeah. and name and naming it. it is a massive fixture. There's no, yeah. there's no two ways about it, is it? That, that fixture is, is it all or nothing? It is, it is for
2: pirates. <laughs> but, uh, it, I think it is for us too. It's, yeah, yeah it is for us well, too
0: it's got to the it's got to the situation in the season now it's it's ebbed and flowed and and it's gone one way then the other. but your destiny is in your hands now. Yep. two bonus point victories, you've finished top of the league. and you know nothing is a given in this league, particularly with that uh, particularly with the way a few results have gone and particularly with what is hanging over that fixture. um obviously you want to be a champion, you're incredibly ambitious, but you see the bigger picture. The longer, the longer game as well, and, and you feel like you want to be a part of that. We, we've already spoken about that today. So, as a champion, you may feel as though the Premiership is the place you want Ealing Trailfinders to be, uh, and the news is broken that uh, a couple of weeks ago that that may not necessarily be the case. What was your immediate reaction when that news was released?
2: Um, it's you know, there's, if I'm being honest, there were there were obviously rumours circulating. Um, mm-hmm. And we just, as a squad, I'd say we, you know, myself and Simon Ozaku stayed together. And you know, it's it's one of those things that when you're having dinner, you speak about it a bit because it, it is the elephant in the room that no one really wants to address. But you know, it it is what it is. And after we spoke about it as a squad, you know, when the, when the news broke, we we still said that you know, there's obviously the appeal that's going to happen, um, but we need to put ourselves in the best in the best position for that appeal to be successful. There's no use in crying and fretting about it if we don't win the league. We, the team still needs to win the league. Um, and I think that's that's very much where our focus has gone. In we can only control what we can control, and that's what happens on the pitch, our preparation. So as far as that goes, as I say, we've been working hard this week and preparing for that and giving ourselves the best opportunity against Pirates. Um, and then obviously then there's another big game against Richmond the week thereafter. Yeah. But for us, it's enjoying every week for what it is um there's certain guys that are moving on at the end of the season there's certain guys that are retiring at the end of the season and it'll be the last two weeks that you get to to spend with them in this sort of environment so it's it's it is very much geared towards just enjoying each other's company controlling what we can control and yeah with wadi and the administrative staff they'll take care of the the logistics surrounding the appeal and all that and that's as i said from a player's point of view that's out of our control so we don't we don't really think or try and give it too much energy yeah,
1: I I, th- I think as well, mate. That's I think you spoke really well there about that. And I think uh, I spoke to George Edgston at, at Donny, and the way I think the way the league has reacted as a whole has been very classy. And I, I the, the, the statement that Ealing put out was was fantastic, and it covered all the areas, and it was fair, and it was balanced, and yes. it was a thing to say. And and I think from a playing point of view. It was so nice to be talking about the rugby again last week, and the rugby took over, and it's you know that's great, and that's that's the right reaction, and it's just that's why we do this pod. It's just like it's so positive this league, and I just think the reaction from the league has been fantastic. We just we just let them them deal with it now, and then hope the right decision comes at the end of it.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, we are rugby players, and we we play this because we're ambitious people, I believe, and we enjoy the the camaraderie and the company that we keep on the field, being able to bash each other for 80 minutes and have a beer together afterwards. So I think that the powers that be, uh, be it the premiership powers or, you know, the, the champ people and whatever, everyone, what's 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 meant to be will, will, will find its way. Um, and if it if it means that, you know, it's another year of the champ, then it's it's another year of the champ. Um, but if, if you don't enjoy the process of getting to the premier, is it even worth it? Yeah.
0: And first things first, you've got to win the league and make them make a decision, haven't you?
2: Yeah. That is, exactly, that is exactly it.
0: What about um, all the other stuff at Ealing then? Because I, I look at it and obviously you guys who are the first 15, you're doing a great job playing great rugby and you, you've put yourself in a great position to try and win the championship. But then I have a little look below that and I see that there's a scholar programme at Henley College and Brunel University are trying to get into Buck Super Rugby and, and all the work they're doing in the women's game as well, like hiring the likes of Cat Merchant and Kim Oliver. It doesn't seem like it's just ambitious. It's, it's everybody else it's a, it is a pretty amazing club the bigger picture side of things isn't it Bobby
2: Yeah in order for in order for us to take to the pitch on the weekend and and get the results that we get or to work as hard as we do we need more than just 15 guys training against one another mm-hmm. we need our, our team manager Jamie we need him to take care of things off the pitch for us so we don't have to stress about that so it really is a it is it is a collective effort from everyone I mean when we're sometimes down with injuries where we we Get to call on the boys from you know the, the academy to come and train with us and they slot in seamlessly because what they do when they're not with the first team is still to aid the first team in the bigger picture if it makes sense so being able to call on you know a guy like lefty zegaris a lot of guys wouldn't know him but he's he's one of the, the lucid props there and he comes in he trains with us and he brings a lot of intensity keeps a lot of the other titans on their feet i remember he had a a bit of a tiff with, with Lewis Steed, who's you know, is, has a lot more experience than him, but he it's still in the aid of preparing the team and taking the, the team to where we, we want to be and at the end of the day that's I wouldn't even say it's going to stop with the premiership. Once we once we do eventually get into the premiership, that'll be you know getting into the champions champion champions cup and, and all that. So it isn't something that we reference as a team and saying that listen, we want to get into the premiership, we want to get into a premiership. As I said, it's in the end of the day, it is all part of the process for us. Um, but part of being in that process is meaning that the different cogs in our system all need to be ticking at the same wavelength.
0: Yeah. Full disclosure: when those youngsters come in, do you try and
2: bash them up a bit? Um, <laughs> now and then, when one gets when one, when one gets a bit arrogant, you might get a, <laughs> just a light eye gouge. Uh, they've they've <laughs> since brought in brought in Woody and a ref to come and ref us on certain days when we get a bit physical. So I'm not I'm not really enjoying that because I spend a fair amount of time on the on the sideline with the yellow cards. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's hard not to give
2: him a dig, though, mate. You <laughs> know, you just have to keep him humble. It happened to me when I was a youngster, so it so, is a rite of passage, I guess. Yeah, so
0: Because really. have you got have uh, you got a bit of a reputation for um, for being that guy who leads in training the way he does on the pitch? Because you don't go easy on the boys at uh, at at do
2: dear. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I think in the beginning I was a bit. It was it wasn't a very good a good stigma to carry because I, I think the first three weeks I was here, I injured three boys and Rain being the club captain we had a bit of a chat on WhatsApp and he said and he was like listen you need to turn it down because not everyone is running at that same same level as you are and if you know you're going hundred percent and someone's going twenty percent you're going to end up injuring people so I've I've had to I've had to tone it down a bit but we our, our training sessions are still incredibly intense incredibly physical. Um, sometimes I think that our, you know, our, our physical days are tougher than the games, and that's why we have those days to prep us for the weekend. So, yeah, I, I try to, I try to practice the way I train, but I also have to be a bit sensible about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to play in the weekend.
0: Kelly, when you hear Bobby talking about training at that kind of intensity, does it make you want to get back into it, or does it make you think, oh, "I've done
1: the right thing. I can't be bothered with that anymore"? It's honestly, not a fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> But people that know, me know that I, I in training, I was, uh, yeah, i just I'd cruise my way through training and then just try and turn it on at the weekend. But you can't yeah. do. That anymore. <laughs> There's, yeah, you know, toughen up Tuesdays and things like that that you used to maul in and brawling, and you know, I don't miss any of that. I'm not going to lie, I'm quite happily retired. <laughs> I do like listening to people giving the youngsters a bit of a, a bit of a hard time, and it's good that that still goes on because it's it was part of my development, and I think yeah. it's quite important for for youngsters to to see Bobby and, you know, more experienced boys being that intense because you just learn off them. And uh, and it also, you know, you, rugby's about being tough, right? We're allowed to mm-hmm. say that. Yep. So yeah. if, you know, if you're putting those in, those lessons into the youngsters, then it can only do them good in the long run, whether that's at Ealing or a, dif- a different club or even in life, because you go through those lessons um, in in your outside world as well, out, out of rugby. So it's, it's all part of a bigger picture. And I, I just love hearing it, but I'm like, Back to your original question, I don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you do, when
0: you do give it to these young lads, then because obviously they're hungry and they want to strap on an Ealing shirt and they want to be pros too. Do they give it back, or do they? Oh, yeah. They learn pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, they, they definitely do. I mean, as I said, they, they know that they're coming into the first, the first, the first team setup, um, and it's also one of those things that even though we do give them a bit of you know the occasional eye gouge or whatever the case might be. Then know that it who it was, but there's there's still that mutual respect between not taking the piss with someone and just doing it for a bit of banter or, you know, if things get carried away. We get properly stuck into each other. And then there's there's no respect. Then, you know, we have a full go at one another. It's not first team versus ACAD. It's two guys that are vying for the same position and we get stuck into each other and then you know, we shake up or shake hands and make up afterwards. I love
0: it. Mm-hmm. Right, let's uh, let's talk business then. It's coming to the end of the champ season. Doncaster have got one game to go. They've got Nottingham away. Trailfinders, you've got Pirates and then you've got Richmond. Pirates have got Hartbury, Trailfinders then Ampthill. If we have another call like this and we do another podcast in 6 weeks time, are Ealing Trailfinders championship champions?
2: Yes. Yes. We're backing ourselves all the way um as you said our destinies is on our hands and we know that we have the squad depth we have the squad quality um to pull off results it's all about as I said putting in the work on the training pitch and making sure that we get those things ticking over for the weekend
1: I love that can't I can't yeah. argue with that <laughs> I think not, not at have, all I think yeah yeah I just I think it's great you're confident and from the outside, I'd say you're still favourites, but there is still, you know, that game next weekend. I'll be watching, hopefully, yeah, watching that one and uh, it'll be a really interesting day. And, and then hopefully you're going into the last weekend knowing a win against Ealing, uh, sorry, against Richmond. Yeah,
2: yeah, we are we are well aware of the fact that, you know, given our, our results against... um pirates early on in the season um recently against donny for example we do know that going into that there is a bit of you know people from the outside that would be like eating as underdogs or you know pirates are expected to win or whatever the case might be and we just try and we we shut that out um we'll embrace the underdog tag um but we go into that game backing ourselves and what we can do and what we have produced in in the past 100 percent and we'll go out playing the exact same rugby that we that we always play that doesn't change just because of the, the stakes of we still, we still want to play an entertaining brand of rugby, expansive game, but still mixed with a you know good forward power game. So, yeah, we're, we're going to take it to them. When you first signed,
0: you spoke about Ealing Trail Finders immediately winning your respect. Has the
2: championship as, as a league really won your respect as well? Oh, yes, 110%. As I said, I, I thought, you know, with all due respect to the champ, I, I'd signed... In South Africa, I don't really hear about the... The second division in England so it isn't really something that's broadcasted widely about and you know before this before I had signed for Ealing I didn't know about Ealing and I think that's unfortunately it's the uh, in inverted commas the disrespect that the champ gets because there are seasoned players that come and retire in the champ and come and play in the champ and similarly there's guys that play for the England international team that started applying the trade in the champ um But having come over and experienced it firsthand, it is an extremely grueling competition. Um, It takes me back. I was having this conversation with someone earlier and I said to him, you play the exact same amount of games that you would play in the Pro 14, but it is so much more physically taxing on the body just because, as I said, one week you're playing against Kov on a wet 4G and you're sliding around and everything. And the next week, you are absolutely getting your head kicked in at the rag you understand and it, it is it is it is physically it is physically a very demanding league that if, if you don't respect it you're going to get put on your arse from putting it in layman's terms and you need to give the opposition the same amount of respect that you would give a donny for example you need to give that same amount of respect to whoever you know you have to treat every opposition with the, the same amount of respect every single week because it, it's it is it is people that can play and i say it's people think that it's you know just because certain teams aren't full-time professional you're still running at a man that is gonna that is gonna stand up and bang you. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you talk about
0: it not being broadcast in South Africa. If they don't broadcast it in England, Bobby, what chance exactly. have we got, eh?
2: Exactly, exactly. But then there's all this talk about, you know, like growing the game in England and so forth. But if you don't even broadcast your your second division, how can how can you expect there to be more interest in the league and more financial backing and so forth when no one knows about it? Absolutely.
0: Uh, Speaking of which, I'm going to step out of the championship box for one second, because you talked about growing the game there. Uh, On March the 25th, uh, Amazon Prime, there's a new rugby documentary. It's focused around the women's game, not the champ game. But, and here is my tenuous link to the champ, um, Vic Rush has made it And she plays for Richmond So I knew that was the way I could crowbar it in <laughs> You can get um, it back in there Yeah, but it's called, it's called No Woman No Try It's an amazing story uh, Shauna Brown is involved Hugo Monya is involved So listeners to the Champ Club podcast If you've got an Amazon Prime subscription Watch No Woman No Try If you haven't, steal the password from your mates And watch it anyway Because it's going to be absolutely brilliant But anyway, back to the Champs Sorry boys, where were we? I felt I had to mention that
2: he is a poet he is a poet
0: no 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 i'm not i, I i'm not on that but i am uh, i'm i'm a huge uh, if i can pump somebody's tires up and i can again grow the game in this little way that we can then i think we always uh, we always should shouldn't we we should support each yeah. other in brilliant projects in our sport 100% very good. Um, right, I've, I think I've, I've ticked so many boxes, Gully. We could speak to Bobby forever, but he's yeah. a busy man. He's a full-timer at Ealing. Wardy's probably got him in this afternoon after doing weights in the morning.
2: <laughs> um, now, luckily, I today's our t- off day, so I, I get to sit back and recover But today.
0: Well, you've got no game uh, this weekend, which is a, a rarity in the season. What are you going to do with your time off? And then to you, Gully, what did you used to do on Saturdays off back when you were playing?
1: well we were talking about Mikey Rare Uh, (laughs) earlier so uh, maybe a little link into that would be be up to no good somewhere but it's uh, that's 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 the championship 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) what about you Bobby what are you going to get
0: up to on the weekend off
2: Um, I have a friend over from France that plays in in the Pro pro D2 there Um, so it's this week has come at a very good time, so he gets to, you know, explore London a bit while I train and so forth. So, you know, we'll we'll probably just go over to Kyle White's house, have a South African braai, um, or as you guys call it, a barbecue, on Saturday before he heads back. Uh, so, yeah, just literally taking it as easy as, as I can for this weekend. It's not very often you get off, so taking it easy and, yeah, start preparing for next week already. Oh, and hope for sunshine as
0: well. That sounds absolutely amazing. Um, yep. I am going to wish you luck for the rest of the season. I'm not going to say I hope you win because I'm neutral, but I hope you play in some great games and enjoy it because it sounds like you certainly are. You've had a smile on your face this whole time, and that's the smile that I've seen as you have been flying through forwards in the championship. So if you're smiling, it means you're hitting them hard. So good luck um, to I'm you enjoying. and your opposition.
2: I'm um, enjoying. Uh, Gully, what a guest.
1: Best ever? Mate, I've loved every minute of it. It's been so good to have you on, mate, and nice, nice, nice to meet, nice to meet you. Thank you
2: very much. Thank you very much for having me. I think it's uh, what you guys are doing is obviously amazing and shedding more light on the champ and what people don't know about behind the scenes and everything. I think what you guys are doing amazing, and yeah, just kudos for doing it and, and thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, cheers, mate. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming, uh, Gully. Before we sign off, remind everybody of the social media handles.
1: Fucking hell,
0: mate. <laughs> He's
2: gonna Gully's gonna give his own ones now. At Ben Gully thirty. At Ben Gulliver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> at Ben Gully on Twitter. Uh, at at Champs Clubs Pod on uh, across all of them. So, I think on all of them.
0: Uh, stay tuned for more great episodes between now and the end of the season, even though the season is running out. If you've tuned in for the first time because you are a Bobby De Vee fan, then uh, make sure you continue following him on his journey, but check back as well. There have been some great guests over the past couple of seasons. But until next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye. That was a Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The Championship Clubs Podcast is brought to you in association with media partner Novus Marketing Solutions. Check them out at NovusMarketingSolutions.com.